everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 67, Hiking in Humidity. Trust the Trail is sponsored by Audible.com. We partnered with Audible.com because they agreed to give our listeners, you, a 30-day free trial on over 180,000 audiobooks and titles. Our listeners get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash trust the trail. Again, 180,000 titles to choose from. Download them on your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash trust the trail. And believe me, when you're hiking, got nothing to do, an audiobook is a great way to pass the time, especially when you're in your tent ready to go to bed. This episode topic is brought to you by request of Rachel Roselle, who is a member of our Trust the Trail podcast community. She had a podcast idea, and so we are covering it for you, our community. If you want to come hang with us, just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash trust the trail podcast and join in on the conversation. On this episode, we discuss hiking in humidity, talking about the challenges it brings both physically and mentally. We will offer tips on how to combat the negative connotations it holds for most, preparing yourself to work with it, and continue exploring the outdoors in even the most uncomfortable humid temperatures. It's probably the only time when you're hiking and you... you Are regretting hiking? (laughs) You may or may not say this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable to be that hot. In every part of your body, (laughs) it's not comfortable, you know. And, I mean, it's not even... So you got the heat, you have the humidity. It's just uncomfortable. And then... You know, every insect known to mankind is out celebrating the heat and humidity with you. I remember some of the some of the most humid conditions I've ever been in. I have had bugs flying around me, and they're trapped in my eyeballs. And I'm just like, right. get out of there! Right. I can't right. see where right. I'm walking. I'm gonna walk off the cliff. Right. Oh yeah, you know. Absolutely. So there's definitely a misery factor in it. But but figuring out how to combat that and 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 work with it really it turns it turns this like suck value into like okay well this is fun well it can be yeah you know it's really humid and hot outside when you've been hiking for a while you walk into an air conditioning like restaurant you get into (laughs) town and you just start weeping you know you just start crying don't know that i've ever been there only because you're just so grateful that man invented air conditioning okay. you know i mean it's, it's an oxymoron i i know but but <laughs> it i mean really sometimes it's it it takes a little effort it takes a little effort to do it um i remember i, I remember hiking in arizona and it was the the heat it was it was dry heat and it it was so bad i actually lost saliva i mean like i was a little dehydrated and i couldn't even i couldn't i couldn't eat i mean like food was like completely unappetizing to me and luckily i had banana chips and i was able to kind of suck on banana chips but i mean it was like the worst kind of of heat you know to completely uh, to get that hydrated to not have saliva. 
Yeah, I would say that heat, both dry heat versus humidity, it can be, you know, you know, hiking, it, it's, it can be dangerous if you're not prepared. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's why it holds so many negative aspects for people. You know, they would much rather go in the fall or the winter or the spring, you know, early spring, because, you know, hiking in summer just it can get overbearing and not just for backpacking either i mean it's for like day hike absolutely any kind of outdoor recreation in the summertime you know you gotta be really really super careful yep yep you do yep we saw a woman when we were in uh uh gorge Um, oh yeah here in georgia i remember that yeah so there's this woman who so so Tallulah Gorge is really a beautiful hike and you only have so many passes to be able to go down into the gorge per day and it's very limited even at that like when you can go in um the the bottom of this gorge is almost like it's like hiking on glass it's so slick it's very very slippery up all of the rocks and they're all angled nothing is flat and this woman it was about I want to say it was in the high 90s that day and this woman fell and kind of like hit her head um and she started it was it was after this tremendous summer downpour like this like really 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 cold typical southeast yeah humid daily like like cold mountain rain and i remember she just i we were watching her go into like the first stages of hypothermia after that because She had stopped hiking um, because she had like this minor injury and she just ended up, she wasn't prepared for the rain. She wasn't prepared for the wet conditions. Her lips turned blue. And she ended up going into like these first stages of hyperthermia. Very similar. 95 degree weather. Very similar to what had happened to me in the Cahutta wilderness. Oh yeah, During, again, summer. Yep. So... And the Cahutta thing with you was really weird because it, you know, um, it, it was really, really hot and humid that day. I mean, it was excessively humid. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this on, on this podcast today. But, you know, one of the things that we we have experienced is that we've been lucky that we have been around all, I guess I would say all the regions in the United States. Um, and so we've got a, we, we have a real good in-depth knowledge of the different types of humidity dry heat um and so that weekend when we went out um in the Cahutas, it was really super humid and one of the things that we experience out here in the southeast is that it if you're in the mountains in the southeast anywhere in like the smokies or, the, or georgia alabama um you know tennessee uh north carolina is that it's going to rain every day every day um in the mountains and so we are we are hiking and it was really super hot and humid and i can't remember oh you didn't have a you'd forgotten your um you'd forgotten your <laughs> my back cover your my pack <laughs> cover that's right you've forgotten your back so your i pack used cover. my i used my rain gear as a pack cover so at first you know and, and it was really weird because um well, we were loving it at first felt so good (laughs) at first but this was a down this wasn't just like a small downpour when when out here in the in the southeast specifically um it can be 
it, it it could be dry everywhere else, right? Depending on where the storm decides to take place, um, and there's a lot of there's not a lot of movement of air upper upper atmosphere. That rain cloud could sit in one place for an hour <laughs> and not I'm move. Pretty sure and it so did. It's very very common that you you can stand in one place and that one little area could get three inches of rain yeah which happens a lot in georgia yep and that's what happened that day we went from okay it's hot it's humid it's a sunny day to do we need to go start seeking higher ground and we were in a gorge yeah. that time too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you'd forgotten your pack cover yeah so you decided to use your rain jacket as a pack cover yeah and I mean, it seemed logical at the time. And I next, was hot, so. And, and and the rain at first felt good. Yep. We were all like, oh, woohoo, yeah, man. And then you got chilly. Yep. Well, because we had finally found camp. And when you stop hiking, and then that's kind of when everything turned, you know, for the worst. Well, what we're trying to say is that. You know, weather changes quick. Weather changes quick, and regardless of, you know, what your environment is, even in the summer, you know, that humidity factor, because you become unprepared, can definitely take a turn. Um, yeah, well, that's what we're kind of leading into. So the whole topic was hiking in humidity, and the, and the one thing that's really super hard to plan is it's going to be hot, it's gonna it might be miserable but at the same time you might be cold and so we kind of want to stress that a little bit um on this podcast is 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 to be just because it's hot and humid that doesn't mean that you cannot get hypothermia and so we kind of want to stress that um big time so we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through a little bit of the mechanics of that of you know the difference between dry heat versus humid heat and what to look for and you know how it can change dramatic um, just to give you another example here we're now we're in Atlanta Georgia um, so the mountains are roughly about two and a half three hours away from us depending on where you go depending on what trailhead you go to and depending on what region of the Appalachians you want to go play in and there have been many times when it's been 95, 96 degrees in Atlanta, right? So you're packing, you're pack, and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm sweating. Yeah. It's hot. I'm yep. going to go out and camp tonight, right? Um, well, normally when we leave, we don't leave until the evening. And so if we have to hike about three, four miles when we get to the trailhead, it's usually in the, in the evening time. We want to beat the heat. And I can't even tell you how many times we've gotten up to that parking lot and set up camp after we've driven three hours, um, especially off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, we've set up our tent. That night gets down to 55 degrees, under 60. So that's a 30-degree temperature difference from when you are packing your stuff up during the day in Atlanta, hot, humid, it's miserable, yeah. and you are in your tent, and of course we sleep under a tarp, so we're in our tarp and going, ugh, it's a little <laughs> chilly outside. Did you pack your down jacket? Lucky for me, and I always do. <laughs> and so it, it can be that it can be that extreme. Right, and so we're gonna right. talk a little bit about the regions 
um, as far as hiking and humidity. And we're going to definitely talk about Rachel, who's in the Midwest, and uh, the, the conditions out there, and try to help her stay cool a little bit in the humidity. So I guess the first thing we want to talk about is dry heat versus humidity. Right. Humidity, I right? mean, kind of defining the two different types of heat. Right. So generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, so there it's there's two kinds of hotness outdoors right two kinds of heat there is dry hot that means that the humidity level is below or at 40 percent the relative humidity is below or at 40 percent the amount of moisture, moisture in, the in the air, air yeah so, so that's going to be your dry heat if it's like you know, anything 35%, 30%, 20%, you're gonna, you're gonna be experiencing dry heat. Uh, humidity is, that includes everything else. <laughs> I mean- <laughs> Anything if, above if, that mark. it's 41%, it's, they, it's I relative mean, humidity. Right, I you mean- you have to start planning for that. Yeah, I mean, I would say it around like, you know, 45, 50%, you start to feel it in the air. Right. I, I mean, at least I do. I it, can tell the difference. It took me a while. So, you know, being from the Midwest, it took me a while to understand the whole heat index thing. I, you know, quite frankly, I thought it was a little bit weird. You know, when I, when I moved down south, they're like, well, there's a heat index. I'm like, what's that? Until someone explained to me, well, you're from Illinois. It's kind of like the wind chill factor. Now the wind chill factor coming from Illinois, I could I could get I can that. understand that. You know, because if it's thirty degrees at night and I'm camping, but there's a wind chill factor of like, you know, you know, if it, if the wind is blowing thirty miles per hour, right, and the wind chill factor is zero, yep. I get that. Yeah. You know, that means things are gonna freeze fast. <laughs> you know, um, and so the heat index here um, in the east coast of the United States is really it's really it's like depending on how much moisture is in the air so they call it relative humidity heat index so here's an example so if it's out here if it's 90 degrees right 90 degrees outside and there is a relative humidity of 60 percent that means your body is going to feel like it's 100 degrees now that's that's you know your body's working overtime now your body's thinking hey man it's 100 degrees i gotta i gotta i gotta i gotta do some things to keep cool yeah. so you're gonna sweat more so it's actually possible for las vegas to be at a higher temperature right higher temperature um and have a lower heat index than washington dc who's got a lower air temperature exactly. but a higher relative humidity so the heat index in washington dc could be over 100 where las vegas nevada could actually still be under 100 even though las vegas would be hotter in air temperature yeah and i think i think everybody can relate to this so even if you're not out hiking and you're not doing strenuous activity even going out of your front door and going to the park to walk or walking to the bus stop or whatever it is, you can feel that, you can feel it in the air. Um, so here's a little thing. When, you, when you're working, especially when you're on the trail, you're exerting the energy, you're sweating. That's how our body is cooling us down. You know, we're sweating. And so this dry heat evaporates your sweat 
Well, what it's doing is it's drawing your body heat out with it and it's evaporating your body heat out with it. And so what happens is it allows for, you know, your cooler skin to kind of feel the breeze and kind of get in the pores and you feel cooler automatically with your drier heat. Well, when it's humid outside and you have all that moisture in the air, you know, your body is almost working double because it's trying to cool you off because it doesn't realize that it it has that cooling factor. So it's like your body is producing a lot more sweat. It's it to to combat the, you know, the lack of efficiency that your body is naturally working at, you know, to cool yourself off. And so that's why it's so much more uncomfortable to hike in these humid climates and this humid temperature is you feel like you're working, you know, twice as hard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To just to cool yourself off. Oh, I mean, it's like this heavy, it's like a heavy, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, like, when you, know, you go outside, oppressing, oppressing <laughs> heavy weight. I mean, weight. it can be depending. It can be depending on the amount of humidity that's, or you, I guess, your relative heat that is in the air. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that this so you year, do have to pay attention to it. Well, this year in particular, um, I think we talked about this um, in, in the last few podcasts we've done, but um, lately, Georgia has had an excessive amount of humidity. And we've seen a lot of flooding out here. So it has like rained in certain areas, you know, on the Appalachian Trail, and it's flooded some parts of the trail. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a little town called Helen, which is a trail supply town for the Appalachian Trail. I, they got like something like, you know, like 12 inches of rain in like a three day period because the rain just didn't go anywhere. Right. And so that's the one thing that you have to look out for, too, is that, you know, the more humidity that's in the air, that the more and the more it rains, the more it's like a it's like a it's like a loop. It rains. It saturates the ground. It's humid. It evaporates. It goes back into the atmosphere. Rains drops down. And so there's this endless part of a loop that is constantly feeding the atmosphere with moisture. And so we get a lot of moisture from the Gulf. So it's like a double whammy. When we get a lot of rain, not only does that moisture come in from the Gulf, but it's raining all the time. I mean, when you live in, um, you know, the Southeast, you cherish the rainstorms, but you almost dread them at the same time because you know right after a rainstorm, it is going to be this, like, mugginess in the air. And oh, you're yeah, like, oh, absolutely. I'm going to get all sticky. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're just increasing the moisture levels. And I fish in my front yard, so it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like we did the other day in Atlanta. That's for sure. Yeah. Over the past two days, we've had flash floods. No, but. it's it's and, you know <laughs> you gotta be you gotta be, you gotta be really really. Careful. It's too bad you don't know how to fish. I do not know how to fish at all. So let's talk about the Midwest. Let's talk about one of the things that. You know how to how to hike in humidity and um, give you guys some tips and share our knowledge with what we know. But let's talk about the Midwest because that's really where Rachel lives and that's where her question comes from. So normally, when you are in the Southeast, you have um, you have sanctuary from humidity. Um, you can go up higher in elevation, 
where the air is thinner and you can beat a little bit of the oppressive uh, humid atmosphere. And so there's usually, you're on the ridge, there's a breeze, um, you know, there's less humidity and the temperatures can get a lot lower. Right, 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 right. So you have a break. Um, but when you're in the Midwest, you don't really have that high elevation to go to. Um, a couple trails I can clearly think of um, in the Midwest. In Illinois, you've got the uh, River to River Trail that goes from the uh, Ohio River Again, not to very the Mississippi River. Not very high in elevation. <laughs> um, Wisconsin, you've got the Ice Age Trail. Uh, Ohio, you've got the Buckeye Trail. So, um, you know, depending on where you're, you're not going to get salvation from the humidity, it's going to be all present. So what do you do? So one of the things that we're going to we're going to debunk a myth right off the bat is that we get a lot. We hear a lot of uh, other you know, I, 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 I don't say other hikers, but in the in the industry, we hear a lot of cotton kills, you know, cotton will kill you. Don't wear cotton. Don't wear cotton. Don't wear cotton. Well. We're going to tell you that if you're hiking in oppressive, humid conditions and you're not in high in elevation, you're not going to go up um, up a mountain that night and camp. Um, and you're in like states like Arizona, you know, New Mexico, Cal parts of California, um, you know, when the Utah when you have that dry heat and it's hot and you're gonna be low in elevation, you're in the Midwest, low in elevation, put a cotton shirt on because it's gonna, it's gonna help keep your body cooler. Um, and you can use cotton as a bandana. You can use cotton as a scarf to put it around your neck. And so what cotton does and the difference between that is that Cotton is kind of like a fabric that is, it's called like, it's, it's like hydrophilic, okay? That means it, it absorbs water. It's going to keep the water there. Uh, water's not going to go anywhere. It takes a really super long time to dry. Well, that's what you want when you are in oppressive heat, dry heat, or oppressive humidity, and you're not going to be going in an elevation. Now, in the southeast, if you're hiking in... You know, like uh, I mean, the Smokies, Georgia, Alabama, anywhere in the east, I would not tell you where cotton. Yeah. Because you are going to be going up in elevation. You the, the weather conditions are going to change up in the mountains. Um, but if you don't have any mountains to climb and you're like the first, you know, uh, I would probably say, you know, the first um, section of the PCT when you're coming out of, uh, you know, uh, California coming out of Mexico right there um, definitely cotton would probably probably be your best friend because you are well, flat in the desert well all that is to say you know that's while you're while you are moving and while you're active but you should always have a dry backup oh absolutely you know shirt that's not you don't wear that to bed yeah for sure um to be able to switch over into because that is where you get in troubles when you do stop and you no longer are moving and that cotton is pulling out all of your you know your body heat that is so imperative to keep you regulated yeah so uh, yeah absolutely it comes yeah. with a caveat but i oh, would oh yeah back that statement up yeah absolutely. absolutely you know and and that's the thing is like when you want to go to bed no matter what the condition is you want to be dry 
I mean, that's the rule of thumb. Get, when you're, when you, whether you're going to get in a sleeping bag or you're going to lay on top of a sleeping bag, you want to be dry for sure. Um, and you know, the nice thing about cotton, if you are in those conditions in the Midwest specifically, um, that you know, you you lay it um, outside. You're gonna put it on the next morning, and it's it's wet. It's cool, and so you're cooling off right. <laughs> Which is off why the they bat. tell you don't work on it; never dries. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that's kind of like the difference. So you know, you hear a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people tell you to wear synthetic. You know, synthetic is is really hydrophobic. So that means that the water is wicking away. So that's where wicking comes from. And so they say, well, we're we're material that is gonna wick the sweat away. It's going to stay. Well, you know what they're talking about? They're talking about you don't like the instance where we talked about in in the uh, in the gorge that, you know, you, she got hypothermia very quickly because it rained so quickly, you yeah. know, and that's what you don't want. When you get that cold mountain rain that is falling on you, you do not want to be wet. Um, and so that's the difference. And especially non-active that wet right in those elevations so that's the biggest difference if it's flat no mountains dry heat desert um if you're going to go like rafting in the colorado river yeah absolutely wear cotton you know if you're going to go um you know if you're going to go rafting and you're going to do a multi-day trip on the colorado river um wear cotton during the day at night wear synthetic you know, make sure you're not, you know, you're not absorbing any of that moisture because there's a huge difference um, no matter where, especially in the desert, you know, it can be 95, 100 degrees during the day and then drop down to, you know, 62, 50 degrees at night. When we did the Grand Canyon, it got incredibly cool oh, at nighttime. Dramatic, dramatic temperature changes. So you're not going to want to be wearing a cotton t-shirt when you go to bed, yeah. even though you're hiking in desert heat all day. Yeah. So there's a balance. And so, you know, what we want to, I guess what we want to emphasize is that, and you've heard us say this a, a ton of times on this podcast, is that you've got to plan and prepare. Yep. You've got to know where you're going, where you're going to be, how long you're going to be out there for sure. It's all about really, really knowing the terrain you're going to be on the weather conditions what the weather pattern is going to be you know what what um what geographic area they're going to be you're going to be hiking in you're going to be in the northwest the southwest the th southeast you know the midwest where are you going to be well, because that definitely helps you in, in planning and preparing your trip it I mean so many different levels, but it also helps you prepare for packing in a condition in which you're not currently in. So, you know, how do you pack for, you know, 30, 40 degree nights when you're packing in 90 degree weather? You know, so it, it, it really has helped me planning, preparing, knowing where I'm going, knowing kind of what all the differences in elevation and, and terrain and environment and region are because it is so hard to realistically you know you're you're physically sweating and you're like i don't want all this gear but perhaps it is something that you need you know depending well and i think that's why you know like a lot of our gear is the same i, I think the only thing that we switch out is our down jackets you know most of the gear that we have yeah. is yeah you know it's in the summertime because we have mountains 
we're gonna we're probably gonna be bringing our spring and fall gear with us yep in the dead of summer yep and so when we hit those high elevations um and of course the southeast you know i mean we're talking about five thousand feet but still that is a huge temperature difference um sometimes it's seven to ten degrees per 1000 feet in elevation yep, yep. so Good rule of thumb you know and then you're not counting the wind you know and and of course the, the appalachians make their own weather yeah and so and the, it depends on if you're going to be on the east side or the west side of the of the ridge and so and out, out west it's really the same thing it's you know where are you going to go you know you got to be you got to watch flash floods out there of course What's the weather pattern? Where, where am I going to be? Am I going to be high in elevation? If you're going to be in the Sierras, you definitely could be experiencing 95 degree weather um, during the day and you get up in the, in the Sierras and it literally could be 50 degrees. So um, the humidity part is always going to be factor in. It's like, am I going to be in high elevation? That's a yes or no answer. If you click no, or if you say no, then that means, okay, let's look at apparel that's gonna keep me cool. That's the first thing. Cotton, you know, let, let me look at my headwear. Let me look at things that are gonna, you know, keep me cool. Yeah. Electrolytes, huge diet. What am I gonna bring and eat to keep me, um, keep my sodium levels high so I can have salt? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that that's one, one huge factor is obviously you know you need to hydrate especially in these summer months um you know you're looking at okay i need to bring water well one thing you can consider is hiking near frequent water sources to be able to reduce you know your your water weight that you're carrying and how how long you have to carry it and and i think a misconstrued is sometimes people underestimate if you're not familiar with humidity environments or if you're not familiar with the dry heat you can underestimate consuming the amount of water that you need to take in so a general rule of thumb is uh one liter of water per hour for just basic normal regular activity um that's about equivalent to about four glasses they say you know drink your water you know drink eight ounces of water a day whatever the quote is but the, the point glasses, is a glass a glasses i'm thinking so it's equivalent to one liter is equivalent to four normal glasses of water so if you think about that the harder you push yourself you know the the more strenuous your activity you're going to need to consume more water well here's something that you need to take into account it's not just water that you need to hydrate with you can overhydrate on water alone. So this is where your electrolytes are imperative to balance with your hydration. So electrolytes can be in any form, whether it's supplements um, with, you know, drink or supplements with food. Um, one thing that I carry with me at all times are numb tablets, N-U-M-M. I'm sorry, N-U-U-N, none, tablets. Very popular on the trail. Very popular on the trail. And at first I didn't believe all the hub until I actually started using them. And they are 
an incredible source of like electrolytes and hydration that you can balance your water with. Um, it takes a little bit more effort to actually consume them. You have to wait for them to dissolve, but worth, um, worth kind of, you know, the, the I would say the, the time and gold versus the weight in gold. Yeah. That was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> but you know, it, no, seriously. And so you, you have your hydrates. A lot of people like to do like Gatorade or some kind of form of hydration supplements. Gatorade's got a lot of sugar in it. Yeah, it does. And so yeah. there are other things out there that I would uh, suggest you looking at based on what it is that you like and what it, what fits within your backpacking style. Um, also kind of your water reserve and, and how that physically, um, is, are you carrying a bottle that you can, you know, dissolve these tablets in or, you know, what is your hydration setup? And that'll help you kind of determine the route that you take there. Um, but you know, electrolytes in food is almost even just as imperative, um, building electrolytes and also replenishing your salt balance. It is so important that in these humid climates, as you're sweating out, um, you know, all of your salt intake, you need that salt to be able to balance. And it's, and it's so important. And so eating saltier snacks on the trail is great as well as, um, you know, getting your electrolytes in food or snack sources. Um, again, that's another way of balancing. And we've done an entire podcast on that previous. Um, but, you know, small little things, banana chips are always a great thing. Um, you know, vegetable sticks, that kind of, I don't want to say like carrots or anything, but like your dried vegetable kale, that kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, because uh, in pickles. the end, oh yeah, pickles, pickles right. <laughs> one yeah. of my all-time favorites. Pickle juice, <laughs> that's right. And olives, right? Well, who carries much olives on the trail? Um, I mean, that's just one of the. That's just that's just one of the ways. You know, it's 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 a balance of everything, folks. It's not just one or two things. It's like you know, we we emphasize so much to do your homework and to plan and prepare as far as you know where you're gonna go and use the conditions to your advantage. You know, use the humidity to your advantage, you know, like, okay, I'm going to be hiking in the desert. It's going to be hot. How can I use this, this, this dry heat for me? Okay, well, then I go to cotton, right? I'm going to be in the Midwest. Rachel's going to be hiking in. Might uh, as well use your sweat. She's going to be hiking you know, in Iowa or Indiana or wherever cool. she's at in the Midwest. How can I use this oppressive humidity to my advantage? I'm not going to be going up in elevation. I'm going to be hiking maybe some creeks. Um, then maybe she should look at a cotton shirt to keep cool, cotton bandana, cotton something around her neck, and then dip it in the creeks or dip it in your water sources and put it around your neck, um, you know, every little bit. Um, you know, if you have pets, you know, your pets get really, really super hot too. So if you're going to be hiking with your pets, make sure you're going to be hiking where there's a lot of creeks, where they can play in the water for a yeah, while. Yeah. You know, um, their body is completely a little bit different, and so they get they get hot in different ways, but it's still really important for them to, you know, to stay hydrated um, and to be able to, like, soak in, soak in the water. 
for if you're going to be high in elevation, if you're going to be going up and down on the ridge or in the Sierras out west, then you have to think differently. Cotton is not going to be your friend. You don't want to wear cotton. You're going to be you want to wear material that's going to wick the moisture away. You want to stay as cool as possible. So when you get up on that ridge and you you go through that cool night after you've hiked in 95 degree weather and the heat index makes it 105, 110, <laughs> you know, you want to be nice and cool and refreshed at night and you don't want to be, uh, you, you definitely don't want to experience hypothermia. So uh, lots of different things you can do, but always know where you're going to be. That's the most important thing. Yeah. There's always those three questions. Yeah, where are you going to go, how long are you going to be there, and is weight important to you? In this case, it is. It, well, <laughs> well, well, in some if, aspects. If you're, gonna be, if your cotton shirt is soaking wet, um, <laughs> definitely worth the weight penalty, I would say. You know, <laughs> definitely worth it because it's going to help you keep you cool. I have definitely taken some weight penalty out on the trail before, but it was not for anybody's good. No. No. No, no. I think you brought the a wet towel, towel one time. Um, <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for your comment on our uh, Facebook group. Uh, very, very cool. Definitely. Uh, if you guys ever have any topics, we're always open to uh, researching it and talking about it on our, on our Trust the Trail podcast show. Absolutely. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, please give it a review on iTunes. It really helps our podcast grow in audience. Uh, we did have a shout out from, um, it, there's no name, it's a number, so bear with me. It's 2639326. Uh, definitely appreciate the review. He wrote, good podcast voices speak, uh, speak clearly and very personable. I enjoy listening to their experiences. I've had plenty of my own and I can relate to a lot of things talked about. Um, I don't. I don't have an AT or PCT under my belt. I'm very experienced and feel that the hosts speak to a multiple levels of those who are interested in backpacking or have backpacked. So no matter your personal experience level, this this is a gear show for me, entertainment, but can absolutely absolutely be informative. So thank you so much for that review. Really super appreciate that. We. Um, we are so excited when we see, when we see a review on iTunes. Don't we? <laughs> it totally made my night. <laughs> I know it's very, very, it's very cool. It's like getting yeah. a review for the first time. I know every review. It's like the very, the first time. Yeah, we we uh, truly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we also have some shout outs. Uh, we want to thank people who joined our Facebook group, uh, Trust the Trail Podcast Community. Um, we have Jason Schmidt. Thank you for joining, Thomas. We have Carrie. Feeney, Patricia Moan, Leanne Hogan, and Matthew Knapp. So thank you so much for joining you guys. Really super appreciate it. Looking, looking forward to uh, talking to you guys in our group. Our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. We're also on Google Play now. Very excited about that. Remember, you can support the Trust the Trail on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash trust the trail where we put exclusive content just for our Patreons. You guys, thank you so much. Had a blast. 
Oh, I, I know. I and love get out there, that. even though it's hot, humid. We all know it kind of sucks a little bit. But get out there and enjoy <laughs> it. And There's so have much to fun. enjoy. Get in the water, too. Just Go think. kayaking the or crowds, rafting. The crowds are far more diminished. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and nobody nobody else there. wants to be yeah, out there. They're all in the air conditioning. That's what separates <laughs> us, right? Well, thank you guys each and every week for tuning in and supporting us. And uh, we just we appreciate you guys so much. So. Yeah, Next week, we'll see you guys later. Remember, trust, trust the, the trail. trail. Bye. Thank you.